0: Good morning. It's uh, great to see you all here and it's uh, great to welcome those of you who are joining us online. I guess all of us have come this morning with a wide variety of different experiences, different thoughts, different feelings. But the one thing that we are doing and we're doing together is we're worshipping God. So let's pray as we start our time now. Oh Lord, as we come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we pray that you will help us to understand just how great your love for your children is, how amazing your control over this whole world is. Oh Lord, you know as we come to you what our hearts are feeling. Some of us are full of joy at the summer and the freedom and the opportunity we have after a busy term. Others of us are exhausted and worn out. And others are troubled with all sorts of different things. But Lord, we thank you that you know. We thank you that you are a God who speaks through your word. And we thank you that you allow us to come to you because of Jesus. And we ask that as we worship you, that you will change us and that our worship will be acceptable to you. Amen. Well, we are going to stand and we are going to join in our hearts with the words of, oh worship the King, the glorious one, and he's well worthy of our praise. So let's uh, stand and worship.
1: Before we have our Bible reading, I just want to um, explain a little about the situation in terms of COVID and restrictions and forest fold. So uh, you'll know that so-called Freedom Day is uh, coming this week, in fact tomorrow. And uh, as part of that, there will be uh, no more legal restrictions on communal worship, uh, which is very uh, welcome news to many of us. Um, this has been confirmed in the revised guidance for places of worship, uh, which we weren't able to see until yesterday evening. So if you saw on the bulletin more announcements next week, that's because that's where we were at this stage, but we are able to say now more this morning. Uh, we do realise, however, that COVID cases are increasingly high and that the threat of having to isolate uh, continues well into August, even for those with jabs. So that could uh, affect some big plans and it could affect holidays and so forth. And we all also realise that um, some amongst us still feel a measure of um, anxiety about the whole situation. So there are four main things, uh, as elders, we want to say about the situation at Forest Fold. Um, the first is to do with singing, so we look forward, at last, to be being able to sing God's praise more freely again and we shall begin to do so from next week. Initially the songs will still be played through the system to assist with the volume. So that's singing. And secondly about other precautions. We feel that it's wisest in the circumstances to maintain uh, many of the other safety measures, at least during August. So we're still encouraging people to wear face coverings. Obviously there are some exceptions, but we're still encouraging people to wear face coverings. And we'll still be maintaining social distance seating during this summer period. As other precautions. And then a bit about September. So we're... We plan to sort of keep the situation, a constantly changing situation, under review as best we can, but we're particularly planning to review things at the beginning of September. So we'd like to move to a situation of less restriction when the time is right. Uh, this may involve at first, for instance, keeping social distance seating for just certain areas of the church building. But those sorts of things will be thought about at the beginning of September. And then fourthly, to do with a a single morning service. (coughs) So one thing we do want to change is that from the first Sunday in August, that's two weeks today, we plan to return to just a single morning service. So this one at 11.15. We usually have a smaller congregation during August So we anticipate the the, uh, chapel building and the overflow will adequately cope with the numbers that are expected. But our thanks goes to those in the tech team and those in the stewarding team who've done so much to keep the 9.30 running for so many weeks and months. So, singing from next week, other precautions staying in place until the end of August. Face covering social distancing, reviewing the situation um, after that early in September and down to a single morning service two weeks today. Um, just to add that um, I realise that some will be relieved at what I've just said and others will be disappointed and perhaps frustrated. It is plain there is a spectrum of views on these matters um, this is where we've arrived at as elders that we think is, is right uh, for the approach at Forest Fold at this particular time. Uh, we also respect that um, other churches will take a different route through the situation because it's now with the churches to make their own decisions. Um, each situation is different and uh, other churches must do as they see fit. But in all this we want um, the pattern of Philippians 2 Uh, to be our model, to have Christ-like, humble, unselfish minds being thoughtful about the perspectives and opinions of others. So try and keep that spirit in view through these these current waters. Um, I will ask for uh, a copy of this to be put on the website, if I may, at some point in the next couple of days. So if you're not quite sure if you heard what was said, you should be able to check on some link on that. Well, shall we turn now to God's Word? We're in Luke chapter 21. We have a a weighty passage in front of us this morning. We're going to be reading from verse 5 of Luke 21 through to the end of the chapter. Luke 21 and verse 5. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he, Jesus, said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, Then he said to them, "'Nation will rise against nation "'and kingdom against kingdom. "'There will be earthquakes "'and in various places famine and pestilences, "'and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. "'But before all this, they will lay their hands on you "'and persecute you, "'delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, "'and you will be brought before kings and governors "'for my name's sake.'" but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance." to fulfil that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled." straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near and he told them a parable look at the fig tree and all the trees as soon as they come out in leaf you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near so also when you see these things taking place you know that the kingdom of God is near truly I say to you
0: pray Oh Lord our God as we have heard your word we ask now that you will help us to respond to it heard of how great and how mighty and how glorious you are and how one day everything in this world will be sorted out by you Oh Lord we confess that we react to you in a wrong way so often. We know that your word tells us that if your people humble themselves and pray then you will hear from heaven and you will forgive. And Lord as, as we come to you we are sorry that we have pretended that we are more competent than we are. We Live our lives as if we could control things. And Lord, you know how slow we have been to learn of our weakness and our inability to plan things, even over the events of the last year. Oh Lord, we bow before you. We pray that you will change our hearts So that we know that you are in control and that we want to do what you want and that we have a sense that without you we can't do anything. We can't do our average day-to-day things. We can't live in our families in the right way. Oh Lord, we, we need you. And we pray, Lord, that you will come and that you will help us. And most of all, that you will help us to come to you asking you for the help that we need. Oh, Lord, help us to not to be proud and stupid and foolish when we've realised that our plans have changed and keep changing at such short notice because we can't control things. And Lord, we're we're worse than incompetent. Oh Lord, we we know in our hearts that we want to put ourselves first. We are selfish and our, our hearts go chasing after things that are not good for us and not good for others. Oh Lord, as we confess our sins to you, Lord, we thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive our sins. But Oh Lord, we ask that you will help us to turn from our sins and help us to hear your voice as you warn us of the day that we are going to meet you. And Lord, we pray that everyone here will be ready, that everyone, when 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 they meet you and are faced by that question, why why should I allow you into heaven? That they will know the answer that because I trusted in Jesus, because he paid the price for my sin, because I am forgiven, not because of me, but because of him. Oh Lord, we do ask that that will be something that is known by each one of us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to live that out and to look forward to that day when we meet you and to live so that we hear you saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh Lord, we thank you that we're in a country where we're free to tell others about you. And Lord, we thank you for the plans that have been made for this summer. Oh Lord, as the lighthouse work goes down into Alderbrook, oh Lord, we do pray that you will be with those who are leading it, that they will know your peace, your power, and a sense of what you want to do in that work. Oh Lord, we pray that the people who come, mainly the children, will hear the truth about you and will be able to see that you have been at work in those who are leading so that they have a sense of the love of God. And Lord, we pray that that will be something that works an appetite in their heart so that they want to know more and that they want to know you. Oh Lord, we thank you that camp and YPs are planned for the next few weeks. Oh Lord, you know we missed that last week, last year. Oh Lord, we do pray that you will work in those weeks. Oh Lord, we thank you for answered prayers. We thank you for the confidence that we have that our God has heard And has rescued people from darkness and brought them into your glorious light. And Lord, we pray that this will be a special year. We pray if it could be your will, dear Lord, that this year will make up for what was missed last year. Oh Lord, we need you to work. And Lord, we do pray that practically you will keep those groups safe from COVID. Lord, you know what the rules are. You know how... Risky it could be that one person gets a temperature and things have to be stopped. And Lord, we know that there are many ways that the enemy will try and distract from this work. And many ways that the enemy will try and distract us in so many ways. Oh Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. But you do tell us that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to do that. Relying on your power, oh Lord, you know the problems that some of us face. And Lord, we pray for Jackie and her family, we pray for Amber May as she's in hospital yet again. Oh Lord, we pray that you will give the doctors and nurses real wisdom and ask if it could be your will that this problem will be fixed quickly and that. The family holiday that was in the middle would, will, will, will somehow be able to recommence. Oh Lord, we, we really don't understand. We really don't know. And Lord, above all, we pray that you will be with them. They will know your love and your peace. Oh Lord, we, we thank you for all the good things you give us. And we thank you for friendships. We thank you for relationships. We thank you for our marriages, those of us who are married. And Lord, we do pray that you will strengthen us in our relationships, that our love for each other will grow more and more, that there will be a sense of faithfulness and sacrifice and commitment Oh Lord, we are so conscious that the enemy seeks to destroy good relationships, seeks to destroy marriages, seeks to put pressure so that your children turn away from you and away from each other. Oh Lord, we pray that you will have mercy, that you will hear our prayers. Oh Lord, we are weak, but you are mighty. Oh, Lord, we, we do pray that there will be a reviving of your work in our lives and a sense of the glory of our God and joy at what you have done in answer to our prayers. Oh, Lord, we pray for John now. We ask, Lord, that we will have a sense that as he speaks your word to us, It will be our God speaking. And Lord, we pray that you will give us a heart that responds to what you say. Oh Lord, I pray that you will not leave us just to listen and admire, but that you will change our lives. Oh Lord, we do thank you that we've been able to talk to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And Lord, we are so glad that we can do that for ourselves on our own as well. Oh Lord, draw us near to you, we pray. Help us to know the joy of being your child. Amen. Mark's going to uh, come and speak to the children now.
2: Well, good morning. Just before I speak to the children, just to let you know, there's a camp prayer letter in the foyer. Uh, there's plenty of copies, so do take one. We'd love you to pray for us. Um, we appreciate it so much. It gives us a real boost as leaders to know that people are praying for us. So I do take one of them. Obviously, there's particular concerns this year. So um, yeah, there's those. we try and get it sent around with a bulletin as well soon. But yeah, three weeks time today, God willing, we'll be on camp. So it's all coming very quickly. Right, children, whereabouts are you? There's some, I can see a few there, some at the back. Yeah, Tom up at the top as well, he'll be listening. Good, now I'm hoping when you come into church next week, so when you drive in the car park, what am I hoping that you will see, do you think, straight ahead of you? Has anyone got any ideas? Yeah. Tents, yeah lots of tents, that's what I'm hoping you'll see. So lots of these. Now hopefully it won't look like this. <laughs> hopefully it will look like tents. Yes, yeah, so we've got lots of these. These are the smallest ones we do actually, but there's some bigger ones and hopefully you'll see a field full of tents. But here's the thing. We haven't even started putting them up yet. But why, why am I not particularly worried about that? Why am I not panicking about the fact that we haven't even started putting them up yet? What do you think? Yeah, Katie, right at the back. Yeah, we can do it in the week. It doesn't take very long, does it? only takes about a quarter of an hour or so, maybe a bit longer if we're not very good. It doesn't take very long to put them up. So we can put them up quickly. Who's put up a tent before? Put your hand up if you've put up a tent or help put up a tent. Lovely. Yeah, any of you? know Camping's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy camping and there's different bits in here. So um, you've got... Bits like this, you've got some of the fabric that you have, stops the rain getting in, that's really good. You've got some poles, hold it all together. You've got some pegs that kind of keep it into the floor. And tents are a lot of fun, especially in weather like this. It's a lot of fun camping. I've really enjoyed it. And if you haven't been camping, give it a go, it's amazing. But there are some times when camping's not quite as good. So, for example, a couple of years ago, when it was raining heavily and you're lying there and you're trying to get to sleep and there's a little drip, drip, drip and it's raining and it's landing on your face and it's stopping you getting to sleep and that's not much fun. I also remember two years ago the winds were really, really strong on the last night. It was a proper gale and what was funny in the morning was the tents were being blown over, some of them so flat that you could see people's suitcases And you could see people crouching down in the tent, and the tent was just pretty much blown over. We had to chuck a couple of them away. We had to throw them in the bin, because they weren't much good. And that's the thing with tents. They were a lot of fun. They're quick to put up, but they don't last very long, especially ones like this one. They don't last very long. They get damaged a bit too easily. And that's not great. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that our bodies are a bit like tents. They're good. They help us. We live in them. A bit like you might live in a tent, but they're a bit fragile. They're not meant to last forever. They get broken. This is what the Bible says. It says, we know that our body, and it says the tent that we live in here on earth, so it's picture language. It's saying our body is a bit like a tent. We know that our body will be destroyed. In other words, we will die. It won't last forever, our bodies. Even though you might think, if you look at an 80-year-old, you might think, well, this life goes on forever. (laughs) Yeah, maybe as children, that seems a long time. But it doesn't. It doesn't last forever. But that's not the end of this verse. Shall I read what it says? It says, so our body won't last forever, but when that happens, when we die, this is for Christians, God will have a house for us to live in. It will not be a house made by men. It will be a home in heaven that will last forever. You see, this is what Christians get excited about. Our bodies won't last forever. One day we will die. But God says that Christians will be given new bodies and a new home, not made by people, but made by God. And it will last forever. And that's why Christians get excited. And that's why we want to tell you children about it. Because we want you children to realise that these bodies don't last forever. But God gives us will give us new bodies and a new home if we trust in Jesus. That will be amazing and that will last forever. So, when you see the tents next week, when you come down and you're driving and you see all the tents, try and think about that. Think about the fact that those tents are a bit like our bodies. And think about the amazing thing that God can give us. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to hand back to Tony.
0: Thanks very much, Mark. Well, the next song gives an answer to the children about how they can be sure that they're going to enjoy heaven. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than two things. That Jesus died... That's what Jesus' blood means. And he lived a perfect life. So when he died, he died instead of me. So let's stand and join in worship.
1: One of the features of the last uh, 18 months has been our inability to plan. The the future has been so uncertain. That came out in Tony's prayer and some of the things we were praying over. Um, It's true of big events, of holidays. Uh, UK people who have gone to France or planning to go to France, have uh, perhaps been in turmoil this weekend. Uh, Big family events, weddings, not sure how many are coming. Plans have been difficult. Uh, Businesses, knowing quite how to approach recruitment and staffing and reopening and what the revenue levels are going to be like. Very difficult. Often we've had no idea what the future holds. Well, to some extent we're, we're probably quite grateful not to know the future details of our lives. But it's often nice to know the general direction, the main things to expect, so that we can be ready, so that we can react rightly as we go forward. It's hard to be ready for a totally uncertain future, isn't it? Well, this morning is going to be about being prepared, not for an uncertain future, but being prepared for a certain future. Being prepared for a certain future, We're on our last Sunday morning in Luke for a little while. Uh, Jesus has been in the temple area. He's been teaching. He's been answering questions. We had the spot the difference last week of the two different situations. Maybe you'll remember that. It's the week leading up to the cross. And now we have a big passage about the future through the rest of Luke chapter 21 where we are this morning. We're not going to be told everything Uh, But we'll be given some key things, and they will be given some key things about the years ahead, so that they can have a right attitude, so that they can expect the main things. And there are two aspects in view. It's helpful to realise that when you come to these passages, perhaps you get a, a bit confused. There are two different things in view. One is the future of Jerusalem, and one is the future of the world mainly divided into two halves. The first half of this chapter will be looking at future of Jerusalem, second half future of the world. And there is some overlap between the two and the things also that we'll see about Jerusalem in some ways are a bit like a thumbnail, rather big thumbnail actually, of the bigger picture of what's going to happen at the end of the world. So Whilst we find the first part interesting, I trust, there will also be lessons in it for how we should be thinking and reacting as we go forward in our lives. So let's think first then about the future of Jerusalem as Jesus teaches it here in verses 5 to 24. (laughs) Trivial pursuit question to begin with. What What do a gherking cheese grater and a walkie-talkie have in common. Gherkin, cheese grater and walkie-talkie have in common. Well, they're names of skyscrapers in the city of London. And uh, we could see them actually from our room earlier this week when we had a short stay away and in fact, uh, we uh, one of our walks we did was, we, I called it the Five Scraper Challenge. In fact, it wasn't much of a challenge because they're uh, all quite close together, but we went to the base of five of the big skyscrapers in the centre of the City of London. They're interesting objects, I found, I found they were, looking at them, maybe want to read up a bit more uh, about them. Impressive, amazing designs, sense of wonder at the construction of these buildings. Well, it was similar in Jerusalem. Some with Jesus are pointing up not at the skyscrapers, but to the temple in verse 5. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings... Herod's temple was one of the most impressive buildings of the ancient world. It was described by the Roman historian Tacitus or Tacitus as immensely opulent. The stones of the retaining wall, some of those are still around today, the sort of basement wall on which it was built, are in the region of 45 feet, personally 6 foot, 45 feet by 12 feet by 12 feet, weighing over 500 tons. And some of the upper stones of the main building were bigger than that, apparently. The Corinthian capital pillars in the middle, the different rows of them, were so wide that it needed three men to sort of put their arms out like that together to go round the circumference of these capitals. Parts of the gates were covered with gold. And you can imagine gazing at the temple, especially those from Galilee, who used to just for a country area, imagine gazing at the temple in the way that we might gaze at skyscrapers. While Jesus responds to these sort of touristy type comments in a way which was totally shocking to them. Verse 6. He said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. We are told that the skyscrapers in London would be a pile of rubble. It's a bit like the thought, it goes back to some of us a little bit older, 20 years ago, isn't it, come September? You think of the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center, Two Towers, Anyone said earlier that that's gonna be down to rubble in a, a few years, few months, and it was. And you've, still, you've still got images in your mind of it, haven't you, if you were around then. These are points of such impressive stability, they're part of our landscape, they're part of our country. And of course with the temple, it had such spiritual significance and meaning, it was the focal point. And so they're aghast at what Jesus says, and they say in verse 7, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And Jesus proceeds to say some of the things that will happen in the build-up. And we'll see the way in which they were fulfilled in detail in the build-up. And we're we'll starting to get a sense of how that should affect us now. And it will lead us on to the second half of what we're thinking this morning. Jesus says there will be deceivers. We're in verse 8. And he said, "'See that you are not led astray.'" for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. Often people trying to gain a following, perhaps characters with strong views, vision, charismatic people, and they try and take you away from Jesus. There would be some of that in those days. There was Thetis in the days of Acts. There was an Egyptian too who got thousands to follow him. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that there were numerous prophets assuring deliverance as they approached the fall of Jerusalem. There were deceivers. There would be, Jesus said, chaotic signs. Verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Political turmoil, turmoil in the forces of nature in the coming decades. There would be the eruption of Vesuvius, engulfing so much of Pompeii. You remember your history lessons? There would be a big earthquake in west-central Turkey, the area of Phrygia. There would be instability with a tottering Emperor Nero as he went through his megalomaniac phases. Josephus even reports of uh, unusual things in the sky like a, a comet in a sword shape staying over the area for days. Famine would be a feature in those decades. In fact, we read about it in Acts 11 and in Paul's letters and there were big famines in the 40s. Chaotic signs, Jesus said, in the build-up to the fall of Jerusalem. For Jesus' followers, there would be persecution. Verse 12. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. That will both be from the authorities and from the families themselves. With relatives delivering people over to be imprisoned. In the book of Acts you have a at least seven different occasions where Christians or groups of Christians are arrested and put in prison. Jesus said this would be the case in the build-up. There was going to be hard times for Christians. There are hard times for Christians around the world still. There will be hard times for us. This wouldn't be a totally fruitless hard time. It would be a time of opportunity, Jesus says in verse 13 this will be your opportunity to bear witness. It will be a time of God giving special help and wisdom to them in frightening circumstances. Verse 15, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. It will be a time of endurance. By your endurance, verse 19, you will gain your lives. persecution but God's keeping and using it and advancing the gospel through it as you have in the book of Acts and then Jesus says things would culminate it culminate in a time of military siege when the armies would surround Jerusalem verse 20 but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then you then know that its desolation has come near In AD 66, Jewish zealots revolted against Roman rule. As you can imagine, it didn't go down very well. The following year, the Roman general Vespasian brought under control the northern areas of the country. Emperor Nero's death 68, 69, brought a halt to proceedings. But by July 69, Vespasian, who was now emperor, sent his son Titus to finish off the business in Jerusalem. He arrived before Passover in AD 70. A perimeter wall was set up surrounding the city. There followed five awful months. Famine and then slaughter. And the temple itself was finally burnt to the ground in AD 70, August AD 70. Way in excess of a million were in the city because it had started at Passover time. Many died from the famine and from the sword. There was There were awful deaths in Jerusalem on a vast scale. Jesus had warned of this and he told his people to escape. As the time got closer, you see him referring to that in verse 22, verse 23, verse 21 actually. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart and let not those who are out in the country enter it. According to the early church historian Eusebius, Christians heeded the warning that Jesus had given, and they fled over the Jordan to the mountains of Pella, where they were spared the destruction of Jerusalem. So these verses were very much followed through. It was a destruction by the Romans but even more soberingly it was appointed by God. Verse 22. For these are days of vengeance to fulfil all that is written. They had rejected God's Son, Light had come into the world and they love darkness rather than light. They wouldn't have him as saviour and they wouldn't have him as Lord. And the time of justice and punishment, even on Jerusalem, even the city of the temple, had now arrived. In fact, I'd like to quote Eusebius. That historian, this is 4th century stuff, so excuse the fact that it's a bit dated, obviously it's a translation, give a sense of something of what happened and how it was seen. But before the war, the people of the church of Jerusalem were bidden in an oracle given by revelation, that's the words of Jesus, to men worthy of it to depart from the city and to dwell in a city of Perea called Pella. To it, those who believed in Christ migrated from Jerusalem. Once the holy men had completely left the Jews and all Judea, the justice of God at last overtook them. Since they had committed such transgressions against Christ and his apostles, divine justice completely blotted out that impious generation from among men." So that was Jerusalem, the build-up to its fall, the reasons for its fall, the circumstances of its fall, the words of Jesus coming true, deliverance for those who put their trust in Jesus and listened to his warnings. It would have been hard to cope with if Jesus had not explained that it was going to happen. Like the skyscrapers had fallen down. But Jesus gets them to be prepared for a certain future. Listening to his word, fleeing for safety. And we move on to the future of the world in the rest of the chapter from verse 25. Our sights are lifted, really, to another aspect by Jesus, still ahead of us. You can see it referred to, pick out one verse, verse 27, where Jesus says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. There is an inscription in the dome Of the US Capitol building at the heart of US government. It's an inscription that's often overlooked and that few people see. It reads, One far off divine event toward which the whole creation moves. Well, we often overlook that and we don't think about it, but that is what Jesus is making clear here. There is A particular, divine, God-given event towards which all of history moves, to which we ourselves are moving. And Jesus would have us be prepared for that certain future, for that event ahead. There's lots we don't know about the details. We're told some here about the build-up. We're told some things elsewhere. But what is outlined is how we should live in the light of that prospect. And as we go through uh, the the remaining verses of what Jesus says, I want you to pick out three. I want you to, to see three particular reactions that should be stirred up in us as Christians as we think of this certain event. The first is anticipation. The Son of Man, that's a term Jesus uses for himself, It's something uh, borrowed from the book of Daniel, a glorious description of a divine king, the Son of Man. And he would return, and his return would be visible, every eye shall see him, and it will be glorious. There will be in the clouds, so that's, that's portraying the glory of God in the drama and power of his return. There will be distressing chaotic occurrences in the build-up, both cosmic and environmental. Verse 25, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and of the waves. I remember back to the um, Twin Towers episode in 2001, and I remember uh, uh, Mr. Rao, the pastor here then, saying his immediate reaction as the news started to come through the news channels is, is it, is it the second coming? Is this the final whistle time? Is, is, is this the time of Jesus' return? Well, it wasn't at that particular instant, but that's a, a right sort of mindset for us to have as we see Big events, troubling events, unstable events. We ought to be attuned to the thinking of Christ and remembering that there will be a time when he will return. As we see what seems to be increasingly unusual weather events. It's a reminder to us. I think COVID should make us think in a similar way it's almost been a time of unparalleled chaos and uncertainty. Now that doesn't mean the second coming is, 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 is in the next few months or the, the next few years. You can think back to the, the time of the great plague and, and the Spanish flu and similar thoughts would have been happening. But it should put in our mind, Jesus is coming again. I need to be mindful. Jesus is coming again. Again, And there are two reactions in these verses, these verses 25 to 28, two reactions to the the tumult, to the, the panic, to the upheaval. Some will be fainting with fear, verse 26. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. No idea what is happening. All security seems to be taken away. The rug is taken from under their feet and they're startled and they're panicked and they're filled with foreboding and with fear. And you know, if you're not safe in Jesus, that is an understandable reaction. If you can't enter into the confidence of the second song we had, of knowing Jesus as your righteousness, your point of safety, through whom you are right with God and through whom you have peace with God and future hope of eternal life. If you haven't got that rock in your life, that point of stability, then it's an understandable thing to be filled with fear and you need to find an anchor You need to find that rock. You need to know Jesus as your saviour. You need to put your trust in him and turn to him in repentance. But there is another very different reaction within those few verses. And that's the the reaction we get in verse 28. What a verse. Verse 28. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Oh, if there's one verse I want to stay with you, that one. Now when these things begin to take place, what's the reaction of the believer, the Christian who's, who has Christ as his rock? Straighten up, lift up your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. Don't droop, don't sag, don't be startled. This is what you've been looking forward to. Yes, you're concerned at the chaos and the calamity. But walk tall, stand strong. Your saviour is coming. You will be with Christ. There will be the resurrection body. Your tent will be replaced with something Better. You'll be living in a, a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, of which the kingship of Christ is seen so much more visibly in everything. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. Anticipation. You're perhaps counting down to holiday. One week left, four weeks left. You want to go away. You're looking forward to it, hoping nothing interrupts it. There's a sense of anticipation. Christians should be eagerly waiting the return of Jesus. And these different things that happen around us are reminders that there is a clock ticking, that there is a countdown. Okay, we've not been given the information to say it's that date or it's that year. But it's a reminder of the general direction. And for Christians, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. Well, as well as anticipation, these verses was encourage us to to confidence. In fact, I thought I'd replaced it with certainty. So I'll read that for certainty. Certainty. Similar thing. Certainty. Jesus gets us uh, to look to the leaves. Uh, We do have some evergreens around, don't we? But uh, more of our sort of trees are deciduous. At autumn, the the leaves come off, the fall, as they call it in America. Uh, Spring, wonder of all wonders. It is a wonder, don't overlook the wonder of it. The trees, especially big trees, have hundreds, thousands of little green leaves that grow up fresh that year. What a wonder. And so they do. And late spring, there's leaves on the trees. And we know our season, so we know what's next. Spring gives way to summer. Summer is on its way. The leaves are on the trees. That's what Jesus talks about, gets them to look at the fig tree in verse 29. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. Summer is on its way. It's a certainty. It's coming. We can be confident. Jerusalem fell, it happened within that generation, I think that's probably the right way to understand verse 32, that it's talking specifically there about what happened to Jerusalem in order to give confidence as we go forwards, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. We know these things occur, verse 31. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Confidence in the words of Jesus expressed in verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus' words are more dependable than the ground that I'm standing on. Heaven and earth will pass away, my words will not pass away. The Son of Man will come in power and glory, you can be sure of it. As Jerusalem fell, destroyed, with some spared, so the Son of Man will come in judgment, with believers spared. So much is uncertain about the future at the moment. Um, you may have thoughts about what your future might be. Oh, I'm hoping to go to college. I'd like to get a career in, in, in law, maybe, you say. Oh, I think I might get married and have a family. I want to start a business. I'd like to go on holiday to America. You may have thoughts and plans, but it's so uncertain, you don't know. This is certain. This is certain. This is, this is the definite thing on the horizon which the whole of history is moving towards, The Son son of Man coming in power and great glory. Certainty, Jesus encourages as we look forward. And then our last point would be this. Readiness. Readiness. Everyone on earth will face that day, verse 35, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. We need to be ready. Ready. We need to be ready so that we're safe in that day, so that we're ready to stand before the Son of Man, verse 36, that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand, I think that's stand with confidence and to stand with a welcome before the Son of Man. We need to be ready. There are things which can hinder that. One of the things is wild living, and another of the things is the general busyness of life. These things can block out our view of the second coming being on its way. Verse 34. But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. So it's blocked out. We're in a sort of a vague drunken alcoholic mindset our senses have gone we're living wildly we're just uh, satisfying whatever urge we want to and we're oblivious don't be like that Jesus said others are so busy they've got to get up early they've got to get the family ready they've got to earn money they've got business to do they've got essays to complete life is full there's no spare space Jesus says don't be so involved with life that you obliterate my coming again be ready be awake be alert be alert We need to be ready for the coming of Jesus. We need to be ready by hearing his word and fleeing for the place of safety, which is to him. And we need to be ready, aware, and serving, living in the light of his coming. Finish with this. You know the scouting motto over the years? Be prepared. Toujours prêt. Always ready, the French version of it as well. Uh, Internationally known, over 50 million participants in the scout movement across the world. Be prepared, ready for any eventuality. Jesus has a similar message. Be prepared. The scouts, be prepared for whatever happens, for the unknown. Jesus, be prepared for a certain future. This is going to happen. Listen to me. Be safe in me. Serve me. These are words of Jesus that we've looked at this morning in order to make you and I prepared for a certain future. And they're well worth us thinking and praying over. So I just leave a, a few moments for you to pray, maybe through those three reactions of that second half of the sermon before I close in prayer. Lord we have seen the words of Jesus, we've seen how they came true for Jerusalem, we've been reminded of where uh, this world's history is heading, we pray that you would help us to take it to heart. Lord help us to be in a safe place on Christ the solid rock because we have listened Help us to have a sense of anticipation, eagerly awaiting his coming. Help us to lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. Help us to be certain, knowing the dependability of the words of Jesus. And although there is so much we don't know about our futures, help us to take this into account and help us to be ready And prepared for that great day. Amos said to Israel, prepare to meet your God. Lord, we thank you many here are prepared for that day. And we pray that if any are not, that they will turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. And this we ask in his name. Amen.